following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host up in Philadelphia, Chris Smalls Angelos. And this week, Smalls, we finally got an active NBA employee on our podcast. So it's a big, it's a big week for us, Smalls. Seriously, we finally cracked the code. It really is. I mean, you you said it right, cracking the code. It's like discovering King Tut's tomb. It's it's just impressive to finally enter, and now. Hopefully we're in the tomb and we're going to find even more kings and queens and things like that. But who knows? You never know. But it, it was exciting to uh, get Evan on the podcast and kind of hear his unique journey to the NBA and how he kind of found his love and passion for coaching and player development. Right. As Small said, uh, Evan Harville, he is an assistant with the Greensboro Swarm in the NBA G League. They are 12 and 13. As of this recording, they, they had just uh, beaten Chicago or Windy City on Saturday night. So we talked to him on Sunday and it was a fun interview, especially, you know, just kind of talking to him about the G League. Obviously, you guys know that I, I used to work in the, in the D League before it was sponsored by Gatorade. So before they had a bunch of money. But, you know, one, one of the things we honestly even talked about a, a little bit off the air was, you know, why we haven't had a lot of success getting NBA and professional level guys on the show. And one of the things Evan said, and and I, I really appreciated this about him, was that, you know, this is part of the journey. Like, he wanted to, when he was trying to figure out a way to get a job, he wanted to listen to as many podcasts and read as many interviews as he could to try to figure out, like, how those guys got to where he wanted to be. And so, you know, we appreciate, appreciate Evan paying it forward in that regard. But Smalls, a guy that we didn't really know, you know, Max Hooper had trained with him and, and recommended him to us. And I really enjoyed the interview, especially the player development stuff, because that was something he had obviously spent a ton of time doing prior to coaching the G League. And it was awesome kind of to hear him, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit and let us into his preparation as, as a player development guy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different than a lot of people, because when you think about coaching, the first thing that comes to your mind is like X's and O's and, you know, learning how to watch film and read different actions and then communicate those actions to your players. And the player development piece really gets lost in, you know, a lot of different coaches and it's developed in a different way. His focus, his primary focus was player development. I found that so intriguing because we forget how important that is, or, or maybe we just forget to highlight how important player development is to any sort of program. I don't care if you're at the lowest level. Well, especially Smalls, as a guy who, you know, he, he was a Division three basketball player. So it's not like, you know, Evan Harville played at North Carolina and, and came back and, you know, he had done a ton of workouts. Like he kind of took the route of, you know, I was an okay player in college. He even mentioned it like he got an opportunity to play because they told him like, hey, we need another body. And, <laughs> you know, that's how he decided to cut his teeth. And that's a little bit different. And we even talked about it, you know, the difference in like, you know, becoming a GA or becoming an intern. And instead he decided like, I'm going to get on the court and I'm going to build some relationships with some high level European pros, some NBA guys. And and that's the way I'm going to bust the door down. And 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 honestly, like, you're right, Smalls, like a totally different journey and, and, and mindset and even like, you know, three, four, five year plan than anybody else than we that we've had on this show so far. 
Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely not one type of key to unlock the door, uh, you know, per se, because that's the truth. There's so many different entry points into this profession or any other professions, and it's getting that insight on how those people highlight their skills. If you're really good at player development and you want to be a coach and you want to get to the pro level, this is a good story to kind of listen to and, you know, good way to go about it as well. Because sometimes we spend so much time doing, trying to be good at something we aren't, whereas we should be focused on what we're really good at and picking up those skills and trying to build on the stuff we're maybe weak at. And I, I remember that from coaching in general is like the off season. Yeah, it's time to work on weaknesses, but you're still highlighting and building those skills you're strong at. And I think Evan's a perfect example of this. He loved player development and he's really honed in on that skill. And now the other stuff, of course, that comes with it. And he's working on that as well now, but player development is his niche and that's what's going to take him as far as he wants to go. Yeah, you know, I was disappointed. There was a couple opportunities for me to get in one of my favorite terms, uh, sweat equity. But, didn't, you know, I might have been off my game, you know. Small, small, but now you got it in. Well, I, had, I mean, I wrote it down. It's like like Evan has the, his, his quote like above his desk or above his bed. So he sees it every day. Like I wrote, I wrote sweat equity on the wall above my computer before we started recording to make sure that I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> but I think part, part of the reason is small is like we were both a little bit low energy in the interview. And I want to apologize to our guests. But I want to give you an opportunity to tell me that you weren't low energy because you were telling me that as I was texting you, I was trying to needle you. I was trying to coach you during the interview. We taped it right after the Eagles. Lost. I wasn't so, low energy. So Smalls was down. Smalls was down. I really and I, wasn't. And, and my way to coach you, Smalls, was to try to like insult you. I was like, you're low energy. You're in an Eagles haze. I was trying to get on your skin so you would respond and play better. And I think I got that finally. By the city review, I thought you were you had you know worked yourself. You were over the Eagles loss. You had moved on to the off season. You start. You're now. You're a Chiefs fan. You're rooting for Andy Reid. So, but do you want to talk about the Eagles before we get to the interview, or are you? You're, it's a post mortem. You're not ready to get no, to yet. There's, there's not much to say. I think you know the Eagles started off hot. Everyone saw that, and uh, and they played a good game. Uh, they didn't make the plays they needed to, and it was unfortunate because you had Nick Foles' magic going and. Alshon Jeffrey, listen, that guy's that guy's a beast. Um, you probably got to make that catch, though. You yeah, pro- you got to make know, that catch. I love the guy; he's good. But you got to make that catch. Calling that play before a two minute warning. Yeah, we can hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the end of the day, you got to make that catch. But you know what? Um, now that I've had some time to reflect, yeah, I'm still pissed off and disappointed, but I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, Smalls, as a, as a non-biased... We would have scored with 45 seconds. I, I'm telling you, as a non-biased observer, when Will Lutz pushed that field goal, it was literally... If, if you were an Eagles fan, and, and, and again, Smalls, you talked about this on Pick and Winners a couple times. Like, I need Eagles fans to stop telling me that they're, like, the unluckiest team in the history of America because, like, the breaks they've caught over the last, like, 24 months have been on. Yeah, and that, you know what? That's true. And we've talked about luck and breaks. No, you you, you got to get That's a break we you, didn't... That's the break that went the other way. It's but that's what I was going to say. When when Lutz pushed the field goal smalls, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, my God. Nick Foles is going to score. It was going to go one and of two ways, right? He was driving the ball, too. Like, he was. Yeah. They, get the, they get the roughing the passer call. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, it, this guy's – he's the undead. He's unkillable. Like, and it, it's a disappointing thing because you could see – just to, to take it to another sport for a second, you, you could see the emotion on Nick Foles' face yesterday at the end, like in his interviews and stuff. Like it was probably his last game with the Eagles. 
I mean, after 2013, Smalls, like, I don't know that anyone thought that we had seen Nick Foles in 2018, you know, doing kind of an end of the season press conference. But it's a shame for a guy like, you know, that's a legend in the city. He'll never buy a drink there his entire life if he doesn't want to. So it's a shame that it ended the way it did. And I I felt bad for Nick Foles. But I I thought he was going to get it done, Smalls. I really did. Up until watching the ball go through Alshon Jeffrey's hands, I was like, I cannot believe that just happened. Because it felt like every single time they needed to make a play, or every single time they needed something to go their way, it always did, you know? It felt like Nick Foles had a – maybe he had like a 12-month deal with the Devil Smalls, and that that was the – because wasn't that the Fal- the date of the Falcons game last year, this past Sunday? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I got a Facebook memory that popped up, you know, about, you know, believing in the Eagles and, you know, maybe a little nerd Facebook post I posted <laughs> a couple beers in. So Foles full, uh, hope. I think I think it yeah false hope man that would have been a money maker but you know what can you do what can you do it was a great interview <laughs> that's it for yeah that's it for the Eagles season uh, that is not it for create your shot though we we do have Evan Harville coming up right after uh, Small's wife's the tears off his face but as always I, I appreciate everybody who listens and and like I said for for those of you that have been may, wait, maybe waiting for some NBA content this is this is the first one hopefully we get some more we've. Got some some lines out there, Smalls. We threw them in the ocean. Hopefully we get some bites of some other guys that are interested in kind of paying it forward. But we are very appreciative to Evan of his time and kind of hearing about the behind the scenes of the G League was really interesting, especially even for me five years later to, to hear how it's different. But as always, I appreciate everybody who listens. If you like what you hear, you know, please subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, rate us five stars, leave us a review. If you do that and you send it to me, I will, uh, you know, send you a koozie free of charge, no shipping, no handling. You can get in touch with us the same way I say every single week. Uh, we are at Create Your Shot on Twitter, at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on Facebook, and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. You know, please do reach out to us. If you're going to be in the Final Four and you're a listener, you know, let, let us know because we, we want to try to get a, a group together and, and do a show like I've talked about, but got to kind of see who's going to be out there. So if you are interested in doing that, drop us a line, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or email. Email is always better, but, you know, some more details on that coming. But Other than that, I am on the Underdog NBA show every Thursday with Zandrick Ellison if you want to hear me talk about the NBA, if you don't get enough of me on this show. And then just probably two more episodes left to pick and win or smalls. We just got the conference championship and then the Super Bowl, so probably done with Bart. And then I think, smalls, we're going to do some returning guests, right, on Fridays. We're going to try to get some guys to talk about how their season's going, kind of see where they are now, a little shorter episodes that aren't as interview in-depth, maybe a little bit more conversations. But I think we're going to keep – Keep going twice a week unless, uh, you know, that's not what people are interested in. But I think keep going twice a week and, and you know, stop the football picks and, and go into some more basketball stuff. But as always, thanks for listening and enjoy this week's interview with Evan Harville of the Greensboro Swarm. Harville, assistant coach of the Greensboro Swarm in the NBA G League. Evan, you guys uh, just beat Windy City 120 to 96 last night in Chicago to pull your record to 12 and 13. But you're the first NBA guy to join us, so we're really happy to have you. But uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're uh, 
you know, G League travels a little rough. So, uh, you know, the, the next day after a game like that, you're, uh, there's a lot of recovery for players and coaches, but, uh, but, but good. We, we needed that win last night. So that was, uh, that was, that was good for us. We were due for that. Yeah. You're about, it's actually 25 games. If I remember from my time working in the, uh, when it was the D league 50 game season. So you're halfway through, you know, how's the season gone so far for you guys and for you specifically? You know, the season, season's going well. It's good. You're, yeah, last night was game 25. We're halfway through. We're in that, you know, it's the middle of January right now. You're in the, the holidays are done. You're in the, the, the heart of the, you know, of the season. Everyone has their, is, is in their rhythm of things, coaches and players and, and the things kind of moving on its own right now. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's been really good. I think, um, I think we're, we're one game under 500 right now. So, uh, you know, I'd like to be a little bit better than that, you know, but, but with the, the G League is just such a, um, has so much volatility, you know, with players going up and down and, and things like that. So, so it's, you know, I, I'd like to say we're, we're doing okay. Um, I'd like to say we're doing okay with, with what we've got right now. Yeah, and you were hired back in October, um, you know, as an assistant. What was the adjustment for you professionally to the G League, like the biggest kind of jump there? Yeah, so that's interesting. So just from, and this was one of the first conversations uh, that I had with with our head coach, uh, Joe Wolf. But, uh, you know, and Joe's done this, like, forever you know it seems like you know he played 12 years in the nba uh you know he's coached uh we we, we tried to count how many games he he coached or he's he's played and coached it was almost i want to say it was like a little over 2000 <laughs> so um but, but but when it right when i got hired one of the first things he told me was as a professional coach uh everyone has uh a rhythm that they get into once the season starts and it's different for everybody, but it was, that was my biggest adjustment was being able to figure out and find my particular rhythm. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, who, who are the guys on the team that you're assigned to, that you're working with, uh, that you, you know, you're cutting film for, that you're watching film with, that you're in the gym, uh, with what time do they like to work out, uh, you know, in the morning, at night. You know, and you really have to kind of carve your schedule out around, uh, you know, the everybody for the with the team, right? Practice your your players, your you're assigned with uh, whatever the head coach needs, and and you really have to kind of get into that rhythm. So that was, I'd say that was that was definitely my biggest adjustment, and and that's um, it's it, it it'll it takes a toll on you. It took me. I'll be honest. I, I don't think I really got into that until about December. I didn't really hit my stride with that until December. Um, there is, is, there's definitely a learning curve there. You know, um, I think just just the workload in general, because we uh, and here in Charlotte, we're, we're the we're the least staff team in the league. So the uh, the workload is just just a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm curious for you guys, when you got in, I remember coming in, going to training camp, and then you just hit the ground and you didn't take a breath really until the season was over. How did they kind of delineate what your roles were going to be 
Evan? Like, what did you know? Did I don't? I hesitate to say. Like, I'm sure you wanted to take on everything you could, but you know, coming from college where you might work for a coach who's done things for a long time, and coming into this staff where Coach Wolf got hired, you know, a little bit later in the game, how did that kind of shake itself out for you? That's that's a great question. I I think, like I just mentioned, we, you know, we are the least staff team in the league, and but but I. I to be honest, I love that because it offers, you know, our staff the opportunity to, you know, pick up wherever that, you know, wherever needs, you know, to be picked up. Um, so, uh, I mean, like we've kind of adopted this whole, you know, you do everything, you know, you literally do everything. And when I say everything, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, you're rebounding, you're working with guys. If a coach is sick or not there, you're taking their guys, you're cutting up film. You're, tr- you know, trying to teach the interns and make sure that they have, uh, you know, getting the, the information and knowledge that they need to be able to grow and get better. You're, you know, the G League's a really small situation. So you're working side by side and hand in hand with, you know, with your front office and your GM. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're making sure players are developing off the court, you know, as, as men and making sure they're, they're good people. Um, but we've, we've really adopted this whole do everything attitude and that, it, it, uh, you know, in the G League, you really have to have the mindset that there's not a job that's too little. Um, you know, it's it's 100 percent about, you know, servanthood and to, you know, serving however you possibly can to your team. Uh, you know, my specific role, uh, you know, outside of, uh, you know, largely player development is to make sure. And this is for any, you know, assistant coach, you know, is basketball being our profession. We all know this. But. You know, any assistant coach, like you're, I don't care what you say, your main role, your main job is to make your head coach's life a whole hell of a lot easier, right? And that's like, that's my job is how can, what can I do to make Joe Wolf's life easy as possible right now in this moment, right? And that's like, that's what it's about. You get his coffee and stuff in the morning, Evan, like before shoot around, you, you call him up and you're like, you need a little decaf cream and sugar in your life before you drive it over there. Joe, Joe doesn't drink coffee, so uh, no, there's no, there's no. Uh, Joe, Joe's not giving me coffee in the morning. Joe, Joe's a big juicer, though, so he uh, got the green, he, you know, yeah. the green machine going on. Maybe a little kale, spinach, <laughs> banana, pineapple. I haven't had any yet. He's he's promised us that he's going to bring us some in, but I haven't. Oh, man. He hasn't made that happen yet. Yeah, so. ask him about the green machine. That's the most popular. But I want to know, so I mentioned, you know, obviously you getting hired in October. You were at Wingate, you know, the pre- previous year. So why don't you give us kind of the lay of land, the story of how you go from Wingate to now the G League. How did that kind of develop? Last year, I was, I was in the interview process with several teams uh, actually around the G League. Uh, and you know, the G league is, um, it's a really dangerous hiring process because, you know, a lot of times you're, you're the hiring process for the G league can go really late in it's, December. It's um, really, yeah, it's, it's really late. You have to be like really, really confident that you're going to get a job. Oh, no, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. And so <clears throat> I was, uh, in the midst of interviewing with, a few organizations and I want to say it was in the middle of September, uh, last year. And you know, I felt confident, you know, and, 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 uh, but you know, didn't get them. And, uh, I got a call from, uh, from Brian Good, who's the head coach at Wingate. 
and he says, uh, you know, you have a spot on our staff. And like, you know, what, what are you going to do? Say no. You know, it was, uh, it was, that was, um, a phenomenal experience. I've, uh, Brian Good, you know, opened my eyes to, you know, things in the game that I've, uh, you know, never even thought of. You know, the guy, the guy's great. Um, have a lot of respect for him and what he's done for that program. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a really, like I said, it's a, it's a dangerous, you know, process going through, going, uh, through the whole G League thing, but you know, it, uh, it, it, it works out. Like I, I hit a point to where I was, you know, I just, I was like racking up interviews. Like I just, you know, I, I didn't, it, it didn't matter, you know, and, and I was, you know, like I, I recently just did another podcast and they, they asked me like a similar uh, question. And, and, you know, I told them like, I hit a point to where I was um, like, I was looking for like that next no, you know what I mean? Because it was like, all right, what's next? Who's next? You, you know? And that was, uh, that ended up becoming like fuel for me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Did you, did you always know you wanted to, you know, be in professional? Like when did that kind of you know, show itself to you. Yeah, so, 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 like, it, it's always been like my sights have always been NBA, set on the yeah. NBA, uh, always. So that's, uh, but you know, with that being said, last year was you know a hell of an experience. Uh, you know what I mean? Just, just a learning experience. Just, uh, you know, a humbling experience. Uh, um, opportunity to, you know, really test you know, my own personal skills and like, okay, how, what value do I bring to these kids at this level uh, or to these guys at this level? You know, what value do I bring, you know, to this staff at this level? Um, you know, and it really pushed me to have as much of an impact, um, you know, as I can. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, coming from, you know, before I got into coaching, doing the player development, and it's like working with, you know, X amount of NBA players. And all of a sudden you go to work at a division two level. It's like, you know, everybody looks at you like, uh, you know, like you got all the answers. You know what I mean? So it was, it was uh, I think I got a little bit more out of guys than um, than they normally would have given, if that makes sense. What did you think of the difference between working in college and working now for the G League? Because when I when I went from Temple to Delaware and then Delaware to CFC, the one year in Delaware, I thought, you know, you could feel like it was, it was a business. It was different. You know, these were, these guys were pros. And how, how did you feel about that? And especially trying to build like meaningful relationships with guys, you know, what do you think about the differences between college and, and now working in the pros? You know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a business. It's a business first. Um, it's a business first. You know, I personally love like getting back to the way we started this, like there, you know, there's a rhythm you know, to the NBA and to the G League into professional sports. And that to me is something that just can't be, uh, you know, replicated. You know, you've experienced, you know, work, you know, working in, working in the G League. <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, for example, like we, we've got guys on our team making $1.7 million this year. You know, like it, it's, um, you know, you're not, you're not, you don't have that at Wingate. No, you don't. You don't. So, uh, but I love the fact that, um, the way the game is played, you know, I like the style of the NBA offensively, defensively, um, 
you know, I like the flow of the game. Like those things all, you know, matter to me um, a lot. You know, college is very much, and this isn't, you know, I'm not belittling, you know, any college basketball coaches or, or college basketball in general, but college is very much, um, you know, it's like the emphasis is on, you know, recruiting. Um, that's the major emphasis, you know, and it's like if you can recruit the best talent, you're going to have a hell of a chance to win a lot of games. And, you know, the NBA is very much the same way. If you've got better players, you're going to have a hell of a chance to win, you know, a lot of games. But with the NBA, there is so much um, emphasis on player development and and impacting, um, you know, a player's performance, impacting a player's, uh, you know, betterment, not only on the court, but off the court, impacting their livelihood. Um, and that's what has always attracted me to the professional level. That's, that's been, that's been something that that's been my number one, you know, why I've, I've always been attracted to, to this level. We got to take a quick break. 2019 is starting off in a very big way. Thanks to betonline.ag, the exclusive partner of podcast one Sportsnet. Well, if you didn't love your gifts from this holiday season, how does an all-expenses-paid trip to the big game sound? Round-trip flight, hotel, VIP tailgate party, and tickets to the big game for you and a guest in Atlanta. You heard it right. A once-in-a-lifetime, all-expenses trip to the NFL's biggest game of the year in Atlanta for two people is happening. How do you enter? Simple. You go to betonline.ag. You sign up for a betonline.ag account and enter in the contest. Our exclusive partners at betonline.ag has the golden tickets. Don't miss out. The promotion ends January 25th. Visit betonline.ag today for all the details. That's betonline.ag. 60 seconds. College basketball coaches know that's a ton of time. Just ask Gary Williams and Coach K. That's also exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to take the trash out, send a text to a friend, do a few sit-ups if you're a hardo, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then, simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. And now, back to Evan Harville. Right, and there's no limit on how long you can train a guy. You know, in college, you get 20 hours a week, and, and that's that's it. That's, yeah, it's terrible. It's, I, don't, I don't, yeah, it, it's awful. It might be, it, it, I don't remember the exact number, 20 might be, is that right? Is it that was, accurate? It was at Division One level, yeah. I, I'm assuming it's the same. Yeah, it's D2, Division two, I was in Division two. it's 20 hours. So you have 20 hours of practice and, yeah. like, time they can be available, and you need one day off. You can't go. You know, seven days in a row. Yeah, first seven yeah. days. First seven which, days. Which, yeah. which, I, which I understand from a student athlete perspective, but I get where you're coming from, Evan. Like, if a guy comes into your office and he says, "Like, hey, I want to shoot," you don't want to have to tell him, "Like, oh man, like we've used our hours this week. Like, I can't get in the gym with you on Sunday because it feels like you're shorting that kid." You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and it's like you, you know, you tell him to partner up and go shoot, and 
you know, at 18, 19 years old, you know, how, how much are they actually getting out of that workout? You know, I don't know, you know, without, you know, somebody, you know, being there. So it's, yeah, you know. So that's kind of your bread and butter is player development. And that's what you were doing before, you know, in the summers and stuff. And we know from, from our mutual buddy, Max Hooper, and, you know, you train Anthony Mora, but why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you got into the whole player development thing and where you were working before? Yeah. So, so, so I was, you know, like my, like the traditional, you know, route into, you know, NBA coaching or professional coaching is, is genuinely, uh, generally through, you know, the film room. And, you know, I always thought that like there was another way, you know, I always, you know, sitting in the film room for, you know, hours on end for, you know, three, four years on end, maybe, you know, sit however long it takes, you know, whatever. Like just, I don't know how much that appealed to me. You know, like I always felt that, you know, being on the floor, hands-on players, basketballs and, you know, just, just sweating, grinding it out, earning that, earning that player's trust, earning that player's respect, having somebody that is, you know, an ultimate professional be able to look at you and take direction and guidance, you know, on the court from you, I think is, is a very, you know, rare skill. And that was something that I was always after. And I, and how do you get that by being sitting in the film room? You know, like I thought my direct path towards the NBA and professional coaching was on the court. And I, you know, I, I mean, I still believe that. Um, I've always thought player development is the key to, for me personally, to unlock that door into the league. Um, but so that's that's what I did, as opposed to, you know, seeking out, you know, an internship or sitting in the film room or whatever it may be. That's what you know. That was my personal, you know, belief, and it's you know done well for me so far. But that's uh, what I did. So when I got out of college, and I just got uh, very lucky with. Uh, having the ability to uh, be around, uh, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina has has a good amount of pro basketball players, not just NBA players, but pro basketball players that uh, you know play uh, uh, professionally overseas and make you know a couple million dollars a year doing it, you know, and doing it at a very very high level. Um, so I was just very lucky to be uh, in a circle like that in a city like that, that had players there. Um, so it started with, you know, a couple pros here and there, and then it grew and it grew. And, you know, the, the, the one thing about NBA players is <laughs> if you do a good job with one, you know, and, and they, and they trust you and that like, you, you're going to have a few more, um, you know, like that's, that's the biggest thing. So, uh, that's what I did. And, and, you know, the players, got a little better and uh, kept getting a little, a little better and came in larger groups. And uh, that helped me, uh, you know, a lot. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about, you know, earning, earning respect of a player. That's like a big part of it. And that kind of, you know, proves that you're doing a good job is when you earn their trust or earn their respect. How do you plan when a new player comes in and, you know, you're trying to get to know their skill set and what you need to improve? How do you plan and prepare, you know, that training and then evolve that training as you go to earn that respect? 
Yeah, I, I think. See, see that. So, so that question is, is so. It's like. I guess I'm asking your your process, your your yeah, yeah, process. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, and it very much depends on on the player. You know, it depends on the player. It depends on, you know, are we in season? Are we off season? You know, at what point during the off season? Is it right after the season? Is it right before training camp? You know, there's just so many variables to, you know, to that question. But but what you want to do is you want to sit down and you want to gauge the situation first. Uh, you know, with the player. And you want to see what they want. You know, I mean, some guys, they want to get in the gym and just get shots up, you know. And some guys are at a point to where, you know, like, for example, like Anthony Morrow at the tail end of his, you know, career and situation, it was, it was you know, the, how much better was he going to get? You know, he carved out his specific, you know, niche. Every, you, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to shoot the piss out of the ball. You know, he's going to run his ass off screens. He's going to have a lot of gravity on the court. And uh, so, so we don't, we, we're not going to get in the gym and, you know, do this stuff on Instagram where you're, you know, throwing medicine balls at the guy and we're not doing that. You know, we're going to get in the gym. We're going to challenge him, uh, you know, mentally, we're going to make him, you know, make shots when he's, you know, there's no oxygen in his body and he's tired and he's been running. We're going to make him make shots like that. We're going to make him challenge himself, make him make shots without, they don't count if they touch the rim. Uh, you know, we're going to make, you know, do things like that. Um, you know, so it, it depends on the player. It depends on the situation and, you know, what part of the season it is. And uh, a lot of times, to be very honest with you guys, it depends on um, the humility of the player. You know, like some guys hit this level where they're in the NBA where it's like, eh, I'm good. You know, let's, 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 let's get these shots up. I'm not doing the extra stuff. You know, and that's fine. You know, that's. That's taking money out of their, you know, their bank account, you know, not mine, you know. So, um, it, 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 yeah, it very much depends. But there's, um, there's definitely a process. Um, you know, I have, like, without getting too in detail, you know, and, and, and you know, giving a lot of my personal stuff away. But, you know, like, I, I, you know, believe that there's, like, seven core elements of, you know, player development. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff, like you know, high volume, you know, reps, you know, like, for example, just really simple we'll going to it, like briefly, but like, you know, what you'll see a lot of times in like youth athletes all the way up to NBA players is, is you'll watch in a practice or in a workout is, you know, they're taking their reps, but they're shooting the shot, you know, to make the shot, or they're taking the rep, you know, to get the rep right, yeah, to get it done. And what, what, what a lot of people don't understand is like, that's not getting you better. You know, what's getting you better is, is not shooting to, you know, to make the shot or to win the game against the guy you're shooting against. Like to, you know, if players are in a, you know, first person to make three out of this specific drill or whatever is, you know, they'll compromise, you know, getting better by just trying to slow down the drill and get, you know, make the shot. And, and, you know, for example, you have to, you have to push yourself to, you know, a certain type of speed uh, you know, with a certain, you know, perfection in your mechanics to, you know, win that specific drill or get something out of that, you know, does that make sense? And so like, you know, things like that or, 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 you know, tailor it to, to, to exactly what, you know, that specific player, you know, will be doing, uh, um, you know, for whatever team, you know, he's playing with at the time or coach, uh, at the time. So, um, 
Evan, I, I got a I got a quick question. When you were talking about like the humility of a player as a young guy, it's hard. I think you know when you you're working with an NBA guy or even a high level European pro who makes a lot of money to come in, and you know you want him to do certain things. When did you decide like, look, if you want to take money out of your pocket, like that's okay. Like I'm going to do what you want to do. Was that hard for you as a player development coach, or was that something you learned early on? No, yeah, that's that's like I, I don't. It doesn't matter how like how long I will live, you know, I'll be, you know, sixty and still doing this, and it's like, yeah, that'll always be hard. But I think it's like it doesn't, it you know, it affects me more now than it did before because now that I'm on the team side of things, it's like you, you can't allow that to happen because that's it's your responsibility to change that in them you know, to get them to, you know, push beyond that, to work beyond that and to, and to really figure those things out. Now, you know, before, like when, you know, like I have you for, you know, four weeks out of the summer and then you go off to training camp and it's like, uh, you know, listen, you know, you want to do this or not? Like it's, you know, you're, you're paying for my time regardless. Like it's, uh, it didn't, you know, as, as bad as that sounds, but like I'm, I'm use me. If you're not going to use me, then, um, you know, no big deal. Right. You know, um, that, that's something that's, that's not my problem. You know what I mean? That's, that's whoever, that's, that's something intrinsic. They have to go figure out, you know, um, it, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. It's just, I, I just remember, you know, like when we would have guys come to the gym, especially at some point when we had so many pros in Philly that would come work out, like a bunch of dudes that would come in and you could, you could tell who really wanted to get stuff out of it and who, and who didn't. And it, it, you know, it, it's tough. Because you you could see guys suggest things and and dudes would say no, and it's just kind of like okay, I, I mean I guess you know what I mean like and, and you kind of move on. But the other thing that you brought up a minute ago about the film room, I do want to kind of get into that just really quick. One one thing, especially like one huge misconception I think about guys that are casual NBA fans is that it's like there's not a lot of shit going on on film, right? And if you haven't spent a ton of time in the film room, you don't know like all the ball screen actions that are going on, all like the dummy stuff on the weak side and everything. How long did it take you, especially this year, to to really get to a point where okay, like we're playing the Memphis hustle, and, and I got to break down, you know, this pretty clearly and concisely. Like, how long did that take you to adjust to kind of watching NBA film and, and picking out NBA action? Yeah, it was. So I got I got kind of lucky because I was in. Uh, I had the luxury of like being in Charlotte before the rest of the staff got hired. So like I was able to spend a lot of time with, um, you know, with like our Hornets head video coordinator and, and, and their whole film room, which is great. And, and sat down and like would spend X amount of time a day after, you know, our practices or workouts in the summer and just allocate, you know, an hour or two a day on, uh, you know, film from last year or last season with the Hornets or, uh, you know, with the swarm and then would uh, break it down myself and started slow. Like, okay, we're, we're today. I'm all like, all I'm going to do is, uh, you know, and I'm not the most technologically advanced person. Like, you know, it's like before this, you know, like I, I couldn't even figure out how to get my headphones, you know, like, yeah, we couldn't even do this with headphones. So um, the film thing was started slow with me, but I started as slow as like, all right, today all I'm doing is breaking down pick and roll. That's it. You know, and then you move on, you do it for a couple of days and then you start breaking down, uh, you know, you start getting a little bit more uh, intricate with it and, 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 you know, moving on to more, um, you know, their continuity, what teams continuities or their, 
you know, their defensive schemes or, uh, you know, what, whatever else, you know, it may be. Um, so it, I got, uh, I got better at it, you know, with time, but it just, it took, you know, uh, it just took an hour a day, you know, just sitting down and just doing it, cutting it up, figuring out, you know, your, your code window and, and, and all of that. But, uh, yeah. So like, you know, I, me saying, you know, I was trying to bypass the whole thing. Like, you know, here I am doing it, you know, um, because that's part of it. You have to do it. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the job, but, uh, and it ultimately, you know, makes you, makes you better for it, but no, it, um, well, well the reason, the reason I was saying that is because I think it's, you know, it's tough to get ultimately, you know, where I'm sure you want to go, you know, into the NBA and eventually be a head coach and all that, but it's, it's tough. Like in college, you can be, a, you can just be a recruiter, right. Or you can just be an X's nose guy. But I think in the NBA, that ain't possible, you know, like, and I think that's what I was trying to get at is like, you know, you, you're going to have to learn regardless. And I knew you weren't saying like, Hey, you were trying to bypass it, whatever. I just, I think it's hard because I think casual fans don't understand how smart NBA coaches are. Oh my are. God. Oh my God. No, Art, listen, Art, like I have the utmost respect for um, everyone in our, like it's everyone in our film room. It's, um, you know, matter of fact, we're constantly going back and forth. Like, you know, I'm on FaceTime with, you know, the guys in our film room, you know, once every two, three days, just. You know, what have you guys put in so far, you know, that we're, that we've missed, you know, because they're, the Hornets are on like a two week road trip right now. You know, they're throwing new sets in that are, uh, you know, uh, they're adjusting to the personnel of other teams, um, players getting hurt, players being inactive on their own team. So adjusting the play calls and play sets and that's stuff that we have to know, you know, because there has to be that symmetry. So, um, no, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the thick of that right now with, you know, making sure we're, <laughs> on uh uh up to date and, and 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 the playbooks up to date and our play calls are up to date and you know our films up to date and that our players can come down and go back and you know go up and back and you know know exactly what they're doing and not miss a beat and um but just to add to your point yeah I, I don't know if the average fan understands you know how much um intelligence goes into uh offensive and defensive schemes in the NBA I mean it's um, it's like overwhelmingly impressive, you know, we got to take a quick break. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. Listen, guys, I'm guilty of it myself. If you know me, if you play pickup, you know, I sprain my ankles almost all the time. It's almost a guarantee. And then I don't take care of it. I tie up my shoe. I walk on it. I'm out for four weeks. No physical therapy. I don't go to a doctor. And now my ankles creak. I can't play basketball. It's a whole issue. Well, the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face -face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com create, fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with the doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. 
Guys, go online and get checked out by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle. But with Roman, it's really easy. So take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash create. That's GetRoman.com slash create for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash create. The big game is right around the corner and the teams are set. So check out the Rich Eisen Show on Podcast One Sportsnet as the legendary sportscaster analyzes the plays and predicts what will happen on February 3rd. Download the Rich Eisen Show every weekday on Podcast One Sportsnet or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now back to Evan Harville. And I think, you know, one way you build on that, it's pulling from your network of people, right? You've been in coaching, you've been in player development, so I'm sure you have a foundation a network of people that help you and you learn from and they pull from you as well. How did you kind of build and grow that network for yourself? That's a great question. So, I mean, just, you know, I think we'd all agree here, but I I just like, I think cultivating, you know, connections uh, with people into meaningful relationships is like the key that's critical and successful networking right so so like the key is not just you know following up or you know shooting a text out like every new year's eve or whatever but it's like it's about trying to find a way to be useful and like informative uh to whoever it is that you're trying to develop like a deeper relationship with right so it's like the key is to get to know them and not have it like not make it about you personally Right. And so with like with that being said, I think I was really fortunate to have um be able to work with like such an array of NBA players before I got onto the team side. And that like with each player comes, you know, an NBA team that they're with or an agent that they're with or, you know, friends of theirs that are also, you know, professional players. And it's like, so the network, you know, as long as, you know, you're doing a good job and they trust you and you're a good person, it's like the network can grow pretty fast. Um, You know, it it can get pretty deep pretty quick. But with that being said, like, you you know, if, if you're not doing the right things, if you're not doing right by the players, if you're not a good person, if you're not trustworthy, if you're, you know, then it shows, right? And like, you don't have any of that, you know, because it's, it's, you know, like whatever your reputation is, is, is once you have that around, you know, high level NBA athletes, it's like, whether it's good or bad, it's hard to shake, you know? So it's, it's, um, that plays into, you know, your network and what people know about you and what they've heard about you and, you know, all, all of that. Yeah, and you're speaking about network, and I'm just going through my own head. You can kind of imagine. I, I I can imagine how many connections you have, and how many people you're keeping up with, and all the tasks that you have to do within basketball. Uh, but one thing we bring up on this podcast a lot is, you know, how do you find balance? Like, it, you know, th- to be honest, yeah, two straight weeks, you might have to work 20 hours a week at point or 20 hours a day uh, for two straight weeks, but. At some point, you got to find some balance and time for yourself. How do you kind of find that work-life balance? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. 
Right now, there's no balance. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, and I can understand that. Like right now, within the season, for sure. <laughs> We're in the middle of January, and there's, you know, there's zero balance. I, but, like, ask me, like, in June, it's like you know, I'm on a golf course. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's like um, that's the release but, for you. That's the release, definitely. But, but you know, with like with that being said, just tying this back into the way we started this thing, like with like talking about everybody having, you know, on the professional level, like their rhythm that they get into, like finding that balance and that release is part of that rhythm. You know, whether it's like two hours at night to like just unwind and take your, you know, shut your laptop and put your phone away and, you know, have, you know, have nothing to do with, you know, basketball is, is, uh, you know, is, is like sometimes a really good thing. And sometimes I'll, you know, I'll do that, you know, like, you know, I took an hour on the road, uh, where, where Chicago in the hotel and just, you know, read, you know, read a book for like an hour, or, you know, part of a book for an hour, you know, like no basketball for a minute. So you're constantly trying to find things like that. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, watching a movie on the plane, you know what I mean? And, and as opposed to watching film, uh, you know, for two hours or whatever, or, you know, getting into a book or, or, or whatever the situation may be. But, that, that's now, but yeah, like you asked me in June, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm on, on the golf course and, and depending on how I'm playing, like we, we make the turn, like I'm either drinking or playing. I, I it depends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. And that, that I love what you said in the beginning and that, you know, I wrote the question obviously down prior, but what you said about rhythm is so true. Everyone's got their own different rhythm and that goes right into work-life balance. And I think it's so important because some people get caught so up so much in everything. And then they're just drained. Like they don't have that. And, you know, I, I've seen people just like fall out of the profession because of that. And, uh, you know, it's important. It's important to find it. Yeah. That's crazy. You say that. Yeah. You gotta, but you know what though? I think that now in today's NBA is, you know, because of the Warriors and, and Steve Kerr, I, I think there's more of a, of a work-life balance emphasis in the league now like than there's ever been you know like it's all about like let's get in let's get our stuff done let's practice everybody get out of here you know like there's very much like an effort to make sure that you know you're spending time with your family when you can because when the season starts it's probably not going to happen you know like making sure that you're you know getting mental breaks like that you know that's very much like a theme now which is which is a positive you know in my mind no, I, I mean, it, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, let's go into Coach Speak, speaking of which, and Smalls, you got the first one. We, we have uh, two quotes here, and we kind of relate them to your, your life, Evan. But Smalls, you got the first one from your guy, Doug Peterson. This is probably going to make you cry since the Eagles just lost and you're you know big Birds fan. But we'll <laughs> yeah. let you go take a short one for you. Yeah, I don't know if I should read this like I'm crying or not, but no. <laughs> Got some ice cream for you. Uh, could be melted, but got some ice cream for you right after the video. So this is, you know, Doug Peterson obviously telling his players, like, you know, he's keeping it light. And as a young assistant, your role is typically to be a closer to the players. The NBA and G League level, guys are pros and the pressure is a little higher than college. How do you go about building those meaningful relationships and trust with different players? And especially what you spoke about earlier in terms of, there's just different guys. Different, everyone's got a different personality, so you've got to go about it with different, uh, different ways with different people. And you don't have guys for four years. You might have guys for six months. So for you, or, or two weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how, how do you do that, Evan? How do you break down that barrier? 
yeah, I, I think all of that starts, um, to be honest, it starts, you know, on the court and, you know, trying to sit down and build, you know, just eye to eye, you know, player to coach, man to man is like, I am here to help you do the best you can possibly do in this current situation. And, you know, I'm going to run through a wall for you this season to make sure that happens. And I think, you know, once they have, you know, opened up and allow you, you know, into to the responsibility of help, helping better them and, and um, you know, you, them trusting you, I think that's when, you know, things really start to grow. And it's like it, then it builds to, you know, off the court. You know, but you got to put the time in. Like, are, are you, you know, are you, are you texting the player? You know, hey, what did you think of practice? You know, or, you know, last night, you know, you know, what did you think? You missed your first four shots, but you kept, you know, getting them up. You know, I, I like your mentality. And and sometimes it's not even. That's one thing I've learned. You know, a lot this season is that you don't have. There's you don't have to critique everything. You know, not, sometimes none of this stuff even needs to be critiqued. Like, there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know. You played a hell of a game last night or, or, you know, your shots aren't falling right now, but they're going to keep doing what you're doing. Like, you know, there's, you know, you don't have to critique a lot, but to get back on your, on your subject of building meaningful relationships is it starts on the court and then it kind of spills over and to off the court. But it's important to keep, you know, the off the court stuff completely, you know, professional, um, you know, and, and then, you know, having that, you know, layer of, of trust with, with you. But it, it comes back to just genuinely just caring about not just the player, but the person. And that's always been, you know, my go-to is every combo doesn't necessarily have to be basketball. Let's, what's going on in life, you know, and let's go grab some lunch. And, um, you know, by the way, I'm going to help you, you know, be as, best you can be you know this year like that's that's what it's always been you know for me and especially you know this year now that there's you know doing it at the professional level yeah i actually thought it's interesting you mentioned that about off the court stuff because i I thought the g league when i was there it, it was really interesting to see not necessarily the guys were unprepared but like you know guys that were right out of college like they were living in apartments they were far from home they didn't have a car like you know they hadn't really grocery shopped because they had been like on a meal plan and stuff and so i thought the opportunities to kind of like help guys grow were were they weren't the same as you had to grow guys in college but they they existed like how how to like teach guys to be like more men and more self-sufficient and like understand that like this is a job i, I always like kind of enjoyed that and you know, I'm getting the idea, like I drove one of the, you know, the, the 15 passenger white vans, guys to and from practice, to and from Wawa, to and from, you know, the grocery store, to and from the airport, whatever. So I, I mean, there was just so much time to talk to guys. Like we were just in the van all the time, you know, but like, I, I felt Evan, like you had, like, that's a really interesting point is like, you just have so much opportunity to talk to guys about stuff that isn't basketball. And that's even more of some balance too, is like being able to kind of like, turn your brain off for a second and just being like, Hey, did you watch, you know, you watch football this weekend or like, you know, how's your, how's your family doing? Cause some guys have, you know, they have wives or they have girlfriends and they're not close, you know, they're not, they're not in the same state. And I think people forget that about professional athletes sometimes, you know, kids, you know, they have kids. Yeah. Do you have, do you have guys uh, that have their families with them? Let me think. No, 
no one has their because you don't you don't no. have any you don't have any old vets right like you don't have anybody that has like yeah, seven we, we have, no we have seven rookies but we have like one guy John Dawson's engaged uh, or, or don't quote me on that maybe it's a, like a long time girlfriend I should know that but he he's like in a, in a really serious you know like they're together together like it's um, but yeah so like but that's um, no, so we, we don't we don't have that. You know, a couple guys have kids. You know, which aren't with them here. You know, but like you know, they're they're very much a part of you know get the games when they can and that that sort of thing. But no, we have we don't have anybody that's you know too. Uh, we don't we don't have an Andre Ingram. So yeah, um, yeah, like that. Like we had we had a couple guys. Like Tiny Gallon had his like girlfriend and, and daughter like living with them, and like I drove them to like the like. Super cuts one time, you know what I mean? Like I had all three of them yeah. in the van and stuff. It was like this is a little bit weird, but it was fun. You know what I mean? It was a good experience. But like that's that's, that's, that's how you grow with the guys, right? In that in that passenger van. That's the key. <laughs> that, was a, that was a big that was a big part of it. All right, mine is uh, Brad Stevens on Greg Popovich, and it's he sets the bar for the rest of us, and I think we feel that way. His teams always get better. His teams play to their strengths. They always play as a connected unit. One of the things you pay most attention to is they're going through one of those really tough weeks like they did this year. And that's been every player, every player coach knows the turnaround is going to be fun to watch. So my thing is as a younger assistant, there are so many people for you to look up to who are some of your role models in coaching. And then, you know, how do you decide what you're going to try to to take from each of those people? Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I've gotten very, very lucky with the people that I've been, fortunate enough to be surrounded by like with this new staff, not just with, um, with, you know, our swarm staff, but with our Hornet staff, like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to build, you know, uh, a very good relationship with, you know, Borrego, uh, with James Borrego, the Hornets, you know, new head coach. Um, and he's, I want to say you guys might have to Google that. I think he's 40, young guy. 39. I mean, he's young. Yeah. I mean, like, so, and that's part of, like, he's there already, you know? So what you do is you sit down with people like that, you know, and, and build that relationship. And, you know, it's like taking constructive criticism and looking at, you know, Coach Borrego and, all right, what do you need from me to be better? You know, and like our staff in Charlotte, I think, and of course I'm biased, but I think they're phenomenal. Like Jay Triano, you know, Jay's been a head coach in the league. Jay, Jay's you know, Jay's forgotten more basketball than like, you know, I know right now, you know what I mean? So um, Chad Iskey, who, you know, was uh, mentored by, you know, like George Carl, came up in, under George Carl. Like, like you know, Iskey's great, you know. Um, Jay Hernandez, who like I am, like I've said this before and, and he knows it, but like I'm thrilled to be able to work with somebody like, you know, Jay Hernandez, who, you know, is just a player development, like legend, you know. Um, he was like one of the first guys that, you know, really did it, you know, did it on his own, like built a little company and then uh, it wasn't little, but, you know, built his company and then transitioned to, you know, the NBA side of things. And he was like one of the first guys that, you know, really did that and did it really well and was always, you know, like a role model of mine. And so it's just funny that here we are and I'm constantly texting him, like, you know, asking for advice and, you know, talking to him and, uh, you know, then here we are, like get to work with. You know, Joe Wolf, you know, directly who, 
played 12 years in the league and has coached, you know, in the league and coached professionally overseas and has coached the, you know, Ukrainian national team and is like, I mean, the stuff that guy's done is just, uh, you know, phenomenal, you know, from a, from a professional basketball standpoint. And it's like, you know, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, lucky and fortunate that I'm surrounded by people within this organization that get to, you know, that I get to, you know, draw from. Of course. Yeah, of course. No. And, and we're lucky to listen to you, but I'm more lucky to have you do our next segment, City Review, which is a fun segment we do with all of our coaches. A lot of coaches on the road recruiting uh, that we bring on. So they're going to different cities. They're trying to check out, you know, good restaurants, bars, an activity maybe to do. So we're coming to Charlotte for a weekend. What are the three restaurants we have to eat at, two bars or night spots, and one activity we got to do in Charlotte, North Carolina? Yeah, I like this. This is great. So let's uh, – what, what do we do first? Restaurants? Go, go with restaurants, going? man. Have you guys been to Charlotte? I have. I have, too. Yeah. I, I got one spot in my mind. So we'll see if you hit it. Okay. So, so I, I got to go with – I feel obligated, but I, there's a really close friend of mine who owns, like, you know, a few restaurants around Charlotte. I, I, I got to throw him out there. His name's Frank, Sc- Frank Scabelli. Frank owns uh, a couple of restaurants. I, I throw one of his, which is Paco's Tacos. It's right across the street from uh, South Park Mall. It's phenomenal. It's like, you know, it's like a neighborhood spot. It's not expensive. You know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to fill you up on chips and salsa. Uh, you know, the drink specials are great. I got, I got, I got to do that. I got to, I got to throw that in there. It's got four stars on Yelp, Smalls. 620 reviews. It's high level. That's, that's high, that yeah. is high level. I didn't even know, didn't even know that. But, <laughs> but this is me. I'm going to send him this. And this is me saying, you know, I, I need a couple free gift cards here. <laughs> so that's, what, that's what this is. But uh, uh, what else am I going to do? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with D.D. Peckers. I got to go D.D. Peckers. D.D. Peckers is, there's a hole in the wall. If you're not from Charlotte, you'll never hear from it. Uh, it's like uh, wings. Best wings in the city of Charlotte, though. So if you like, if you like wings, See, that's a uh, high. That's big time by you, because like it's it's unknown. It's unknown to people outside of Charlotte, and we're coming. We want to become locals. So you're helping us. Yeah, that's that, that's yeah. I, I, I gotta I gotta throw that out there, and then let's go uh, third. I'm gonna go. I don't think this is a chain. I think it's Charlotte. I think it's just local in Charlotte, but I'm going, uh, I'm going Portofino's. Is Portofino's a chain? It's an there's Italian a, there's spot. There's a Portofino in Nashville. I've never been there, but it's Italian spot. I, I mean, I think it's, just, I don't know if it's a chain. Like, I don't know if it's a lot of places. Yeah, I don't, but there is I don't know here. it, so I'm in. I would go to, I would try that. I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, you, you know, you pick up like pizza. Their pizza's really good. You can get, you know, good Italian like pasta dishes. It's not crazy expensive. It's and it's. I don't think there's a lot of them. Maybe, maybe they originated in Charlotte. I, I don't. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But they're. That's that's a good spot. I got to throw that one out there. That's that's pretty good. Now now we're talking like two bars or night spots. We can go maybe have a beer, do whatever yeah, you want. I don't like. I'm, yeah, I'm like I'm past. I don't know about you guys. Like I'm I'm, I'm past the whole like. You know, staying out till two. And I'm with you. Bed, bed by ten. Bed by ten thirty. We're trying to get get some beers at like five forty five. You know, yeah, maybe get a happy hour. 
Yeah, early early ESPN, like NBA on ESPN on Friday. And, you know, before the West Coast game comes on, we're already hitting the pillow. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, so I would – but you know what, though? I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm the last uh, – uh, actually, due to uh, Max Hooper and, you know, his family, they're, they're huge. I don't know if he told you guys this, but he, they're huge, uh, like, wine collectors and invest a lot in – into like wine so just through them i got pretty big into that and uh so like there's there's but charlotte has two uh like places that are I mean, great great beer menus as well don't get me wrong but uh really good wine spots that are that are really you know low-key and you know nice nice atmosphere and tvs and 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 you know nothing crazy going on but i, I gotta go uh foxcroft foxcroft wine which is which is a phenomenal little little place uh, to kind of hang out and, uh, you know, get home before midnight. You know what that's I mean? A, that's and, uh, a good spot for me. Smalls is more of a dive bar, like drink a lot of beers, but I'm, whoa, a, you whoa, know, whoa. I mean, I'm getting old. I'm a, wine, <laughs> getting old. I, I'm a, I'm a wine guy though. Like I, I, that's what, if Max Hooper had told us that, that he was a wine collector, we would have talked for 45 minutes about wines and he would have embarrassed me. Well, I, no, I listened, no, I, I listened to his and, and that was why it was funny because he, 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 he had like a little comment, like, you were like, yeah, where, where do you go? And like, like if you know Max, like Max doesn't go, like he doesn't yeah, he go said out. Like, he, said his girl, he said his girlfriend will drag him places, but he doesn't really do anything on his own. Yeah, like he doesn't drink. He doesn't go out. There's no, like he's really, uh, you know, straight straight and narrow. So so uh, that, that's that's why is, that was funny. Is but, Max's family like the type of people that'll buy a bottle of wine and it's like a big find? It's like, oh man, we, we got this bottle of wine, but like you can't open it for like 16 years. So like it's a big deal that you have it, but you can't drink it. Yeah, no. See, see, they're they're great about like they 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 want you to drink it. They that. do. We gotta get but, they're, but they're but they're about drinking it like when it's like when, when the it's see, right. that's when his, <laughs> his mom helped me with my first like few bottles, and because I had no idea what I'm doing, I still you're don't. drinking like bare I, you're I, drinking like barefoot Pinot Noir. It's like six ninety nine. Yeah, I was flapping the bag, hitting Franzia. So <laughs> they could probably help me. You can't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 uh, but, but one of the first things she said was like, I, like, I, you know, got a couple bottles. She's like, all right, listen, there's a drinking window. Like you can open this now, but that probably wouldn't be the thing to do. Like you should wait five years. I'm like, all right, cool. We'll put this away. So (laughs) in the bottom of your pantry. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so. Yeah, but in the other place, I'm gonna go with uh, this. Is, this is a really good place too. Is uh, uh, this is this is probably Smalls' place. I gotta go with uh, Selwyn Pub. Selwyn Pub is like they got some right. games in there, some darts. Oh, good, because I'm a hustler. I'll throw twenty bucks down. I'll play some darts. You need to go play against Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb's like a uh, like like high level into competitive dart playing what? oh really, really? That, see, see that's that now this now i'm now i'm getting a little upset because i was in the ritz carlton about a month ago in philadelphia jeremy lamb's in there sipping a little glass of wine if i had known that you guarantee i would have went no, up to him there's no way this story's true what do you mean month, whoa, whoa tyler of course it's true he, he has a traveling uh like dart set like the board with darts and everything He'll take it with him on like trips. This is this is like mind blowing. That's like unbelievable to hear. That's hilarious. So what what activity are we doing in Charlotte? 
I got to send you guys to a Hornets game. Oh, yeah. I'm down with that. You got to go to a Hornets game. I'm going to be shouting from, like, the stands for Jeremy Lin to pull out his dart set, though. I can't believe he has a traveling dart set. uh, I mean, I got to get one. No, yeah, I don't. I don't know where you get those at. With me. <laughs> All right, ten touches, rapid fire, uh, thirty second question and answer. I get the first five. Evan, who's the funniest uh, player you've ever worked with or coached? I gotta go. I gotta go. JP Makura, who's actually he's with the Hornets right now. They need to give him back because we we miss him and we need him. So, I heard a uh, yeah. unbelievable trash talker. I heard through the grapevine. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he, he's. A little different, but uh, it works for it works for him. It's, he thinks it's funny, you know. He thinks it's funny, but he was uh, a big time irritant in college. He was he was good at making people mad. He, he, he's literally harmless. Like that's the thing. He, he's harmless. Uh, so he, he's hilarious, and he brings so much energy to practice and to workouts and the games. He's he's phenomenal. Um, what's your worst uh, basketball travel experience? <laughs> Our first. Our first road trip of the season this year, we went to Wisconsin, played in Wisconsin, uh, left, or excuse me, you know, played in Wisconsin, had a 3 a.m. bus, like not a 3 a.m. wake-up call, but that that next, you know, several hours after the game on the bus, 3 a.m. to catch a, excuse me, 6 a.m. flight. I'm not talking like be at the airport at six. I'm like on the plane, planes taking off six a.m. And then we get to DC to play, uh, the Capital City Go Go, which was their like inaugural game. Adam Silver, Adam Silver was there. Like it was a big deal. And we get to the, we get to the hotel and we can't check in. And, and like, you know, remember we, we flew the, the plane was from Wisconsin to DC at six a.m. We get there. I, I don't know, like we're at the hotel by like nine thirty, like at the latest. Like we can't check in the hotel until three PM, they're trying to tell us. So it was the biggest I mean, that was that was crazy. And then on top of that we ended up going into uh so like double overtime. The people at the hotel ended up just opening opening up a couple conference rooms and letting the guys just kinda like sleep on the floor for a couple hours. Like uh that was that was that was a wild way to start the season for sure that's like a classic g league travel story like for people who want to work in the g league like that's just and as a former like ops guy like i just i'm just laughing because you know the hotel guy has no idea and you're just like look we need rooms and like you just there's nothing they can do what uh you mentioned you were reading what's what are you currently uh reading and then if you have time what tv show are you binge watching so actually i actually just i've read this book a couple of times but i rereading it right now just to kind of uh draw me back in because you know like i said we're halfway through the season and things can kind of get away from you but uh if you guys haven't read this like i I really recommend it but the power of now by eckhart tolle so like really really good stuff Won't, won't get too into it but it's uh it's all about just you know trying to be in the present moment as much as possible you know and i think that's like always important for all of us and I'm not I'm not too too big on TV, but like I'll tell you like one show that like like I've always kind of like latched onto like and I, like outside of this I really don't watch any TV, but um, was uh, The Walking Dead. I don't know if you guys watched that, but like that was always like 
when it first started like several years ago, I was like really into yeah, it. And then good kind of just we're on season like 30 now and it's <laughs> like law and order. It just keeps going and, you know. Uh, yeah, you can't quit it. You got to keep watching. Yeah. You know, you're too much invested. Yeah. Uh, what would you do if you weren't working in sports? <sighs> Investing something in business. I'd be trying to buy an NBA team. There you go. <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> Right to it, try you know, trying to figure that out. And if you could change one thing about professional basketball, or let's let's just call it the NBA, what would it be? Can I make it the G League? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know know what I would say is to pay the guys twelve months out of the year. Okay, that that's awesome. I like like to get it. Get this league very much like where minor league baseball is to where everyone, you know, and you're almost there. Like in the next 24 months, everyone's going to have a one-to-one affiliate. You know, somebody at some point needs to come in and have, you know, pay for some sort of like, you know, streaming rights. You know what I mean? To where, you know, whether it's on the NBA website or Twitch or something, but, you know, have some sort of, you know, pay for some sort of streaming rights and um, just to make sure that guys are kind of taken care of 12 months out of the year. and um, you know, cause it's still very much like for some coaches, it's a six month thing, you know, for players, it's, you know, a five, six month thing. And they're trying to figure out where their paychecks come in the next, you know, half of the year. Like, where are they going to play? What are they doing? Um, so yeah, yeah guys, will, guys will play in the G league and then they'll go play in like the, you know, like the Philippines or they'll go play in China in their second seasons to try to make it a 12 month deal. Yeah, and it's like, you should, I, I think, I think you're really kind of teetering on a point to where the NBA's very, very close with um, um, figuring, you know, that out. So, Yeah, that's a really good answer. What's your, you know, you played, what, what was your best moment as a player? Uh, yeah, I never had one. I, I was pretty bad, so. Uh, <laughs> well, how about, did you have like a memorable team moment, game, or something like that? Yeah, you know, I, I would say just, like the you know my favorite part of my playing days was like the relationships built with um you know everybody you know from high school mm-hmm. to college to you know that's that's how I answered that that was my most memorable memorable part of being a player was taking it from high school you know to a division 3 college who like just happened to say yeah all right we'll let you play <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, you know, it's but it's true. It's like it's like a brotherhood. I mean, you know, we were we were managers in college, and uh, you know, our four years there was that was it. That was like yeah. the relationships. Like no yeah. one can kind of take take that away. And then when we all see each other, there's always something funny to say or something to go back on. So I do find value in that statement. What's your? Do you have a pregame routine? Uh, yeah, that de- it depends. Like, so if it's my scalp, you know, you're very much like thrown into making sure that everything is because you know things in the g league the day of the game can change you know and two hours before the game you find out that you know capital city go-go or sending down troy brown Devin robinson uh you know it's like so all right uh we didn't think they'd be playing so you know so it's like game days when it's your scout it's very much making sure that everybody, all the players are 100% caught up on their scalp. They know what they're doing. They know the game plan offensively and defensively. They, they have a 
comprehensive understanding of what they're supposed to do and how to do it. You know, if it's not my scout on game days, uh, the routine is to try to get uh, whoever, whatever player is uh, as much, you know, pregame work as possible. Whatever that is, whether it's catch and shoot, whether, you know, somebody knows they're not going to get a lot of minutes tonight, so the workout's got to be a little bit more intense. But, yeah, game day is all about, uh, all about, uh, all about the players one way or another. I don't have, you know, it's not like I got to eat Chipotle every game day or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. It varies between coaches. Some guys really superstitious, some not so much at all, but current NBA player you most want to work with from a professional uh, player development standpoint. I gotta say, gotta go with Donovan Mitchell. I gotta go down yeah. That'd be crazy. That's like a, that's a great canvas to work with. There's still like so much. I would just make so. him so much better. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there you I'm go. Jo- I'm joking. Like, I mean, guys, no, that's, guys, it's true. Donovan Mitchell actually listens to this podcast, so he's one of our good buddies, <laughs> and he listens to this. So we're gonna we're gonna make sure he knows. Well, that. Yeah, no, so I, I had a chance to meet him this summer. Uh, he came to Charlotte and uh, got a workout in, and I didn't you know, interfere, but, uh, you know, he allowed me in the gym and I got to watch and, you know, we talked for a little bit after the workout and that kind of thing. So, uh, he's, he's, he's a, he's a really good, uh, he's a really good guy. I mean, I think that's part of, you know, um, the reason why he's having so much success, you know, and, that, and speaking of the G league, Donovan Mitchell has been, you know, a hell of a su- supporter for, uh, you know, his guys, uh, in Salt Lake, like the guys constantly tweeting and, watching when he can and like supporting those guys. And like, I don't think people understand how like that's huge, you know, for somebody like that to be invested emotionally into that organ, you know, the whole organization. Of course. Yeah. What, what do you think the most underrated skill in basketball is? At the professional level, or just in, I would say, professional. Let's talk. Yeah, the professional I would level. Say being, I, think I would say being coachable, and I, and I'm not talking about like I'm not talking about just going through the rhythm, like or going through the motion. All right, here we go. This is my 30 minute workout. Let's just do this. I don't feel like working because what what happens is is like you know, especially a lot of the younger guys, like you know, that 1.5 you know, you're making or, you know, this one year contract and the money's coming. It's like, that's very fleeting. You know, like you have to come to work every single day, like to prove why you should be here the next day. And it's like, if, 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 if you can't be coachable, uh, it becomes an issue, you know, and being coachable is very much a skill. So that's, that's what I would say. Underrated is most underrated skills being coachable hands down. And final question, two future podcast guests for us. Who do you think we should have on? Michael Jordan. Okay, you I'm know, in. He'd be He's the Hornets, so it's good we're talking to you. You got the direct line. <laughs> That's a really good question. I would say uh, I would give you one of our other assistants here in Greensboro. Uh, Dave Kanad. Dave's great. Dave's been around the G League a few years now, so like he he would have phenomenal insight. He's worked with some, you know, uh, great organizations around the G League as well. So, um, 
Actually, I actually know Dave a little bit. We used to work together. Yeah, we used to work there in the summer up in uh, New Jersey. I, I actually, I, I saw that he was with you guys. He was with Santa Cruz the last two years, right? Yeah, Santa Cruz yeah. And, then, and then did a year with uh, uh, Agua Caliente. So, he's, yeah, um, I think he won a championship in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, yeah. Good dude. Super good dude. Dave. Yeah, I would say, I, I'd say Dave would have some, some really, you know, Good insight, especially coming from the league and the G League. So I would say him. And then I gotta go. I gotta go. Does it need to be a coach? Who's it need to be a player? Nah, honestly, it could be anyone. It could be a you know super chef Bobby Flay. I mean, yeah. it's whoever you want. Yeah, I would. I would. You know who else? I'm gonna give you just because. Uh, I'm gonna stick with just keeping in the organization here. I, I'll give you Chastity Melvin. I don't know if you guys have had any, you know, female uh, uh, um, interviews yet, but she, uh, you know, Chastity was WNBA All Star. She's the first um, female uh, coach to go through the NBA coaching program, um, and she's on staff with us now this year. And it's she like her her phone just blows up. I'm talking, she's doing like two or three interviews like a week, like it's insane. Um, so, but I would say she would probably bring like an audience, you know what I mean? Because she, she's, um, and she's great. And she, she's like, she kills this stuff. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you like end up seeing her on TV, you know? So like one day, like doing the broadcasting stuff. So I would, I'd have to say her as well. All right. Uh, last segment, same two questions for every guest. We call these parting shots. Uh, Evan, what's the best advice you've ever been given? I got this from, I don't know where I got this, but it, I've got it. I keep it above, like on, on a little cutout. Like I keep it above my bed, like where, like wherever, you know, I'm at or whatever. But so, uh, it says, uh, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally reading it right now, but, uh, you create it all. Uh, the universe isn't punishing you. Uh, it isn't, uh, blessing you randomly. It isn't controlling you. Uh, it is, it's, uh, it's responding to your vibration. If you think happy, happiness will come to you. If you think negatively, then negativity will come to you. Uh, what we put into the universe is what we get back like an echo. And I think that's, um, I don't know if that's like advice, but that's, I, I keep that like wherever I go just as a reminder. So and I think that stuff, I, I think that's like very much, you know, accurate. All right, Evan, you're face to face with your, let's call it your 22 year old self. What are you telling that person? Uh, breathe, you know, just breathe. <laughs> it's always a good one. It's a, I mean, it's just like, it is because like in coaching, you just get so overwhelmed so quickly. Like, how am I going to get a job? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get on this plan? You know? And it's like, if you work hard and you, you know, you keep your head on straight, you'll make it happen. I, I, you know? I, I'd say just breathe. You know? That'd give myself like a little motivation. I, I'd be like, nothing can stop you. <laughs> like, you're good. Keep it going. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. So I don't. Yeah. Well, I hope you, uh, I hope you get a chance to take some breath. Like I said, you got at the exact halfway mark of the season when this comes out on, on, thir- on Tuesday. Cause I know you guys play again on Thursday at home, but 
We appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. Uh, he is at Evan Harville on Twitter if you guys want to get in touch with him. And uh, Evan, like I said, man, best of luck the rest of the way. Keep my guy Joe Cheely in line out there. And we're going to be we're gonna be paying attention and following you, all right, man? So thanks for joining us. We had a blast. Yes, that sounds great. Thank you guys so much. All right, Evan. Be well, buddy.